In mid-September 2020, millions of people around the world saw footage of a 25-ton giant humanoid robot called a Gundam moving on a scaffolding in Yokohama, Japan. The footage went viral across several social media networks and soon wound up on news channels from Australia to the United States. It reached well beyond the sheltered harbor of the Gundam fandom, and many of the millions of people watching that giant Gundam being put through its paces asked themselves, what the heck is a Gundam? And why did they build a giant robot? We are the hosts of Mobile Suit Breakdown, a weekly podcast about Gundam, where we talk through the show's 41-year history and research the context behind it. From science and history to art, culture, and psychology, instead of our regularly scheduled podcast, we are going to answer those two questions. What's a Gundam? And why did they build one in Yokohama? And we're going to do it in under 15 minutes. If you're one of Mobile Suit Breakdown's regular listeners, then you probably already know the answers to those two questions. But maybe you can send this to your friends and family when they ask you. Hey, did you hear about that giant transformer in Japan? They built a real Voltron. What's up with that? The big humanoid machine you've seen moving around in all those videos is called the Walking Gundam, or the RX-78F00 Gundam. It's 18 meters, or 60 feet tall, and weighs something like 25 tons, and it is a life-sized, one-to-one model of the Gundam, a giant humanoid fighting weapon that originally appeared on Japanese television in the 1979 animated series Mobile Suit Gundam. This one has a slightly updated look for 2020, but it's meant to evoke that same original machine. During the 1980s, the animation studio responsible for Mobile Suit Gundam started making sequels about different giant robots, some of which were also called Gundams. And they've been making Gundam shows, as well as every conceivable kind of spin-off and merchandise, ever since. A Gundam is a particular kind of mobile suit, which is the name that the franchise uses for giant, human-shaped fighting machines. Originally, there was just one, and it was called the Gundam. But the heroes of the sequels got their own Gundam-type mobile suits, so now we talk about Gundams and the Gundam franchise. It's a Gundam! This is actually not the first life-sized Gundam statue to be constructed and displayed in Japan. Back in 2009, as part of a celebration of the Gundam franchise's 30th anniversary, the company that owns Gundam erected a similar 60-foot Gundam in Shiokaze Park in the Odaiba part of Tokyo. The Gundam statue was originally meant to be there for only two months, but it was such a popular tourist attraction that they left it up until 2017, when it was replaced with a model of a different Gundam from a more recent show. But unlike this new one, the first one just stood around and looked cool, while the second one had some minor cosmetic external bits that could kind of slide around a bit to expose internal lighting at night. Building one that can move around almost like the machines do in the show is a tremendous engineering achievement. This new one was built both to celebrate Gundam's 40th anniversary in 2019 and to coincide with the Tokyo Olympics in summer of 2020. The Olympics were delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, 
but construction on the walking Gundam continued at a facility in Yokohama called the Gundam Factory. The Gundam franchise is owned by massive toy and media conglomerate Bandai, and until recently it was the company's most valuable intellectual property. It's known all over the world, but is most popular in Japan, the Southeast Asia region, and Italy. Gundam experienced a surge of popularity in the United States during the early 2000s, when an English-dubbed version of a spin-off television series called Gundam Wing aired on Cartoon Network. However, its popularity declined after 2005, and it has been considered a niche interest among American fans of Japanese media ever since. Besides the shows and movies, the most visible part of the Gundam franchise is the plastic scale models of the mobile suits sold by Bandai. People around the world enjoy building and customizing replicas of their favorite mobile suits in a variety of different scales like 1 to 100 and 1 to 144, and with prices that run from a few dollars into the thousands of dollars for special limited edition kits. These models, called Gumpla, which is a portmanteau combining Gundam and plastic model, are so successful that in 2019, Bandai announced that lifetime sales for the 40-year-old franchise amounted to more than 500 million kits. Part of the reason Gundam fans love those life-sized replica statues in Japan so much is because building replicas of Gundams is already a huge part of being a fan of the franchise. So, what's a Gundam? At the most basic level, it is the mascot for a hugely successful 40-year-old science fiction franchise owned by a massive merchandising conglomerate. Then they built a life-sized one to celebrate an important anniversary for the franchise and as a publicity and marketing stunt in order to sell smaller replicas. Now, there's also a nationalism aspect because they did want to show off Japanese engineering prowess in front of the eyes of the whole world during the Olympics. And they built it to move around like a person because that's what it does in the show. And because they had already built two less complex statues, and so they needed to take this one to the next level. If that's all you need to know, then you're good to go. The next time you hear someone say, wow, can you believe that Japan built a giant transformer? What a waste of money. You can say, well, actually... But if seeing that giant moving robot really caught your interest, and now you'd like to know more about Gundam, what it's about, and why people love it so much, then stick around for... Mobile Suit Breakdown's Total Beginner's Guide to the Universes of Gundam. Back in the 1970s, animated television in Japan was mostly made for young kids. Giant humanoid machines, broadly called mecha, were popular with audiences at the time, and toy companies were happy to sponsor mecha TV shows because these shows were made cheaply, and even a moderate hit would allow them to sell tons of toys based on the robots. But at the same time, the studios and creators making animated shows were trying to show that they could tell serious stories for a more mature audience. One of the animation studios trying to establish itself during this era was Nippon Sunrise, which we'll just call Sunrise. Sunrise had produced a string of moderately successful giant mecha shows, but they wanted to do something new and different, with a project that would really shake up the industry. Gundam was that project. Rather than tell a heroic story about giant mecha fighting monsters or aliens, they wanted to tell a serious war story, inspired by the real history of World War II. But it would still include giant robots in place of tanks or fighter planes, so that the robot toy selling sponsors would have some robot toys to sell. Gundam, famously, did not take off right away. 
but once it did, it became a phenomenon and helped to rewrite the rules of the animation industry in Japan. While Gundam was not solely responsible for the sci-fi and mecha crazes of the 80s, or for the emergence of animated TV and movies meant for mature audiences, it was a major turning point that proved animated TV aimed at older audiences could be commercially successful and artistically meaningful, and it inspired a host of imitators. The original Mobile Suit Gundam took place some time in the near future, at a time when around half of the human population had left Earth to live in man-made space colonies orbiting our planet, and the whole species is more or less governed by the Earth Federation. Beyond Earth's orbit, there are a handful of mining colonies in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, and a mining colony in orbit around Jupiter represents the furthest extent of humankind's expansion into the solar system. Other than living in space, human life continues much the same as it does today. People still drive cars and play sports, they eat hamburgers, they listen to portable music players, they mess around with computers, they have kids, and, as would become a theme for the series, they neglect them. Of course, the one big technological change is the introduction of the piloted fighting robots called mobile suits. There's an in-universe justification for them, but we all know that the real reason to include giant human-shaped fighting machines is because giant human-shaped fighting machines are the coolest. Mobile Suit Gundam is set during a war between the Earth Federation and a group of colonies calling itself the Principality of Xeon. Xeon claims to be fighting for the independence of the people living in space, but the Principality is ruled by tyrannical fascists in the Zabi family. On the other side, the Earth Federation is more or less a democracy, but it resembles nothing so much as one of the old maritime empires like the British, French, or American empires of the 19th and 20th centuries, with all of their problems. This conflict between factions that defy easy categorization as either good or bad will be a running theme in Gundam, and our heroes are the unfortunates trapped in between. Up until 1993, Gundam shows and movies were all set in the original timeline, called the Universal Century, that had been established in the original Mobile Suit Gundam. Sequels explored the aftermath of that first war between the Federation and Xeon, as well as the fates of some of the individual characters. Like Star Trek in the United States, new Gundam stories often followed new characters, jumping forward years, decades, or whole generations, into the imagined future of the Universal Century. But starting in 1994, animation studio Sunrise and sponsor-turned-parent company Bandai decided to take the franchise in a new direction, with a series of one-off or short-run alternate universe takes on that basic Gundam formula. So that means new mobile suits, at least one of which is always called a Gundam, space colonies, factions that are many things but not good, and a younger generation struggling desperately to survive in a hostile world. You might even have heard of some of these alternate universe Gundam shows that hit it big outside Japan, like Gundam Wing, Gundam Seed, or the relatively recent Iron-Blooded Orphans. So today when we talk about Gundam, we mean the whole lot of it. The original Universal Century stories, all the alternate universes, plus comic books, novels, audio dramas, video games, and every other media format or type of merchandise you can imagine. And of course, staggering quantities of plastic. If you're interested in getting into Gundam, we recommend you start with the original 1979 TV series. It's a classic for a reason, and you should accompany it with Mobile Suit Breakdown Season 1, 
our episode-by-episode companion guide to the show, available at GundamPodcast.com and on fine podcast services everywhere. If you'd rather start with a more recent show, you can check out one of the standalone alternate universe shows, but you will have to wait a few years before Mobile Suit Breakdown gets there. As for us, next week we'll return to our regularly scheduled podcasting when we publish our interview with Doctor of Developmental Psychology, Bailey Garbutt, about Camille Badan. Then on October 17th, we are back to Double Zeta, covering episode 11, Activate Double Zeta. Mobile Suit Breakdown is written, recorded, and produced by us, Tom and Nina, in scenic New York City, within the ancestral and unceded land of the Lenape people, and made possible by listeners like you. The opening track is Wasp by Misha Dioxin. The closing music is Long Way Home by Spinning Ratio. You can find links to the sources for our research, the music used in the episode, additional information about the Lenape people, and more in the show notes and on our website, GundamPodcast.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at GundamPodcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GundamPodcast, or by email at GundamPodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.